Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Simon, how are you, sir? It's been two weeks. It has been. How was your Thanksgiving, Baxter? It was very restful, a little disappointing with the Packers losing, but sure. still, uh, I got to spend the day with the family. Uh, it was a good time, honestly. Awesome. What about you? Good. Yeah, we, we actually went up to our friend's cabin that they just purchased a little while ago, spent a couple of days up there, hung out with them. So that was... During the weekend, which was great just to get away, you know, be out in the, the big woods. Absolutely, yeah. Fresh air and all that good stuff. But Thanksgiving was fantastic. Got to see both sides of my family, as we always do every Thanksgiving. So, yeah, man, it was, uh, it was a great Thanksgiving, but happy to be back here on Two Up Front. Absolutely, yeah. A lot of crazy MLS action taking place over the last two weeks, and we're going to make sure to talk about all of that in depth. Uh, some transfers already happening as well, plus some other rumors, but... The big thing that we will be getting to for a majority of the show a little bit later on in the show will be the Audi MLS Cup 2015 between the Columbus Crew and Simon Provan's Portland Timbers as That's well. right. So uh, a lot of good things to get to today. Just want to take a moment to remind all of you, though, that you can catch us right here on Sports Radio America on Fridays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on SportsRadioAmerica.com. Live 365 and tune in. And you can also find us on demand as well on iTunes. Download our podcast. Give us a review. Tell your friends about the show. Uh, We're also on demand on iHeartRadio and on Spreaker.com as well. We're also... you can find us on social media. On Facebook, we are 2UpFront. On Twitter, our handle is at 2UpFrontSoccer. Same thing on Instagram, at 2UpFrontSoccer. Of course, we have our own Twitter pages as well, Twitter feeds, at Baxter Colburn and at Simon Provan. Absolutely, yeah. And the timing of the show always is kind of variant, but you can also watch the show on Periscope as well. Uh, so if you are listening live on Spreaker and you'd rather see our beautiful faces instead of listen to our soft, sultry voices. Oh, that's debatable. Uh, it depends on the day. <laughs> I shaved yesterday, so that's kind of decent. You're looking a little scruffy. Are you doing the, the no-shave November? Uh, not technically. On, on, on purpose? Not technically. Not on purpose. Right, right, not on purpose. You know, I, I think most of our listeners know by now that I'm also an actor, so True. I don't really control the look of my face <laughs> as much <laughs> as somebody else controls. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what am I doing this month? It's, uh, well, you're not going to do it. You need to go tea. Okay. I have noticed the, the last two auditions that I've been on, uh, I, didn't, I didn't get the jobs. Hmm. I went in clean shaven, and when I saw who was called back, everybody had full beard. So I thought, yeah, you know what? You know. I'm going to start growing it out you again. Start growing it out again and just start grooming it. You need that just for men, maybe. Just, you know, make it look nice and there fine go. Yeah. and beautiful. Yeah. 
Wonderful. All right. Well, a lot of good things to get to today. But first thing we want to talk about is something that isn't even around in MLS yet. But it's the thought of it. It's the hope. It's the dream. It's the frustration. It's it's the the questions. It's the why, why, why. Exactly. What is it, Simon? Well, we're talking about Miami and David Beckham's group Mm. trying to get a team down there. I get that he's got a discounted rate, $25 million, rather than the 100 to $110 million that he would be paying if he was anybody else. And mm-hmm. that, was, that was part of his original contract when he came over as the first uh, DP player. But their third option at a stadium has been shut down. Miami has said no. So now they're looking at option number four. How many options can you have? First of all, the fact that they even had three options is impressive within itself. But the fact that now they're moving to a fourth option is a little ridiculous because at what point does David Beckham say, enough with Miami? To heck with Miami, I'm going to go somewhere else. Even, even You could probably find another place in Florida that would be willing to do it. Well, and here's the thing, too, is there, there's a time limit on when he gets to actually uh, have this $25 million expansion franchise. Do you think they're doing this on purpose? Do you think Miami is purposely d- prolonging this so they can get more money out of him? Well, Miami won't. It's it's the league that would. Oh. So the league's all for him getting this mm-hmm. thing done. Um, you know, he brought on Tim Liewicki to help with this, uh, which is ironic because Tim Liewicki is the one who actually brought Beckham over in the first place to hey, LA Galaxy. Might as well. Um, but it, it what boggles my mind, and I don't think it was any bit of coincidence that Sacramento comes out with its MLS stadium oh, beautiful uh, renderings renderings um, but that's that's the big question is you have a you have a team you have a city mm-hmm. in Sacramento that is looking to get an MLS team they're actively Kevin Johnson the mayor the former NBA star uh, has has said we want an MLS team mm-hmm. here and he has said granted we can't we can't put any public money towards this yes. you know we're, we're still hurting in that respect but you got a city that's committed you have a mayor that's committed and that's you, usually 90% of the battle right exactly there. right right you've got a you've got a uh, Sacramento Republic who's got a good following mm-hmm. um, so Every checkbox that needs to be checked off, Sacramento has done that. Yet here the league sits on trying to have Miami be the one that comes in to play. Is it because Miami had MLS ties back in the day? You think that's what's still pulling it? I mean, the whole, was it the Miami fusion? Listen, it if, was back if, in the that day? Was, if that was the league's argument, that's, that's the poorest argument you can make because, uh, granted, the fusion, they were drawing decent fans, but... Not on a consistent basis. No, but I, I understand the pull of wanting to put a team in Miami over Sacramento just because of how big soccer is in Florida, especially in Miami. It's such a big port city. You've got all the Hispanic nations that come in through Miami. Putting a soccer team in there, the world sport, a major Hispanic sport, would be huge in Miami. So well, I see you, that you point would think it. that, but there, there was a team in Tampa Bay. There was True. a team in... Miami originally, yep. or not originally. The original team was Tampa Bay, but then the Fusion was one of the yes. first uh, expansion franchises with the Fire. But they weren't, because they were playing their games on Saturday afternoons, Mm -hmm. well, what happens on Saturday afternoons? Youth soccer games. It's true. Or even in Florida, at that point, it's college football. Sure. College football is a major market, especially in Florida with three major powerhouse teams. Now, granted, you do have a team in Orlando that was wildly successful in its first season. And they figured it out. And I think that now that there is a team in Orlando, Miami should be like, well, we want that rivalry. MLS actually has their act together. I feel like those beginning stages of MLS wasn't exactly what... Miami, you know, needed to flourish, but now they've got a, a functioning, you know, twenty-year product of Major League Soccer that you know Miami should, if they get a team, should be just fine. But it's getting to that point, though. Politics in Miami are tough. It is. My my view is, and that's just it. Politics in Miami are tough. Yet you look at Sacramento; the politicians are all for this. They're all saying, "Yeah, let's do this." I don't understand the you, reasoning. You've got a team that's basically going to build an MLS stadium. Mm-hmm. Whether MLS says 
Yeah, we'll yeah. expand. If or not, not, they'll be the greatest show outside of Major League That's Soccer right. in the U.S. Well, and then uh, add to all of this, the NASL is going to have. Mm. I, a Miami team starting next year. Oh, that's right. Owned by oh shoot, no, that's it's the Puerto Rico Islanders that are owned by Carmelo Anthony. Right, but right. even still, Miami has. I think they've got Ronaldo. They've got somebody. I forget who it was. They've got some major benefactor. I think it or may it may be Ronaldo. I think it is. Yeah. I think it's Miami that the has Ronaldo. Original Ronaldo. The, original, the, the Brazilian. The fat Ronaldo, yes. as they call him. Now. He's, <laughs> he's slimmed down a little bit. But well, I actually I was reading about that. He actually has a condition that has kept him really? heavy. There's, he's on medication, and that's why he's. Huh. He's been so big. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. he did kind of grow. Made me feel Made me feel a little bit bad I for calling slightly. him Fat Ronaldo I, feel, I mean, that was years. just kind of what all those people called him, you know. I was just going with the crowd. No, it's, <laughs> that was my first mistake. Uh, my mother raised me better than that. But I find it interesting, though, that Sacramento has been after a stadium for so long, but then you also look down in San Antonio, who is also trying to push heavily for an MLS team, and nobody blinks an eye. Nobody says anything. Nobody really talks about it. It's like, here's a random new article about Sacramento or San Diego. Or San Antonio, yeah, one of those sands. <laughs> one of those S's. Exactly. Building you know, a, possibly a new stadium. They've got all this you know, high hype going along with it, but then Sacramento just continues to get tossed to the wayside where it's like, oh, San Antonio wants a stadium and a team? Sure. You know, like, no problem. Like, what is the league's vendetta with Sacramento? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really it's a great question. I, it does seem like a vendetta. Um, if anything, I th- I ultimately, I don't think it's a vendetta. Ultimately, what I think... The league is saying, and Don Garber in an interview with uh, Sports Illustrated today mm-hmm. uh, had said that they actually don't have an entry date for Minnesota United. That's, that's all in the air. I think that depends on Miami because mm. they, they don't want to go through another year of having an odd number of teams. True. So with Atlanta coming in and LAFC coming in, they'll have one year of odd teams, then they'll be back in 2018 with an even number of mm-hmm. teams. I think what the league is thinking is, when we finally get this Miami thing figured out, we'll have Miami and Minnesota United come in at the same year. Makes sense. I mean, Atlanta comes in next year? Next year. And then LA, when is LA? Or is it 2017, Atlanta? They come in the same year with LAFC, don't they? Or does LAFC come in 2018? Now I'm spacing on when that is. Because Atlanta is the next team in, then LA is next after that, and then Minnesota and Miami would be after that. But if they're smart, they'll add Atlanta and LA at the same time, so that way it stays even. Well, I think, and I agree with you, Baxter, I think the problem they're running into there is that LAFC has has the land that they want for the stadium, and it looks like it's going to go through, but that's still also not a sure thing. So it's How do you not have a... How much money did they pay, didn't you say? $110 million. They, they, they've paid it. It's been it's accepted. Done. The yeah. check is cleared, yeah. as it were, but... How I don't understand how they don't have all their ducks in a row, and maybe this is just me not understanding the politics of soccer and trying. Well, to I put think a they they have their ducks more in their in the row than mm-hmm. uh, than NYCFC did. Doesn't take much to do, right? Uh, Atlanta, two thousand seventeen. LAFC in two thousand eighteen. Okay, and then Miami. So there will be an odd year then. Yeah, there will be an odd year. Yep. Hmm. Um, so you'll have. I'm, I'm assuming they'll just stick Atlanta in the east and the I feel east like Minnesota be. is going to be ready sooner rather than later though. I I do as well. Uh they did have problems securing a stadium location but they did announce a couple of weeks ago that it will be in St. Paul. Oh, they are going to build a soccer specific stadium. They're not yeah. using the new Viking stadium. Oh no, no, because the Vikings wouldn't allow that to happen. Oh, that's right. It was the Vikings. It was between the group that won the franchise mm-hmm. versus the Vikings right. ownership group. I think it was the Twins group. Minnesota Twins group with yeah. a few other with with the uh, Minnesota United. That's right. Um, That's right. NASL folks. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense though if they could come in the same time as Atlanta or even uh, LA. That way, they're still an an even number. 
you know, across the board, but or yeah, one well, it would be three teams at that point. So, but that's true. Either I know I get what you're saying. Either way, I just I think I just I don't get I don't get the Miami thing. That's all it comes down. to. I don't, I don't get it. I, don't I get honestly it. don't understand it either. Miami's such a hot topic. We see um, U.S. national team games, both men and women played down there. We see other, you know, we see Mexico, Cuba, Haiti, TNT. All kinds of games well, taking place down there. It's a soccer hub. People want to watch soccer. And down here's there. the thing, Baxter. As far as the league has done so many good things over the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. I mean, for these people who complain about Don Garber because there's no uh, relegation promotion, I understand that. But you got to understand the history of this league to really appreciate what this man has done and, exactly. and, and where he has led this league to be where it is. He's done a lot with not very much. And all of that said, you look at this Miami situation. Mm-hmm. You just go. Why? If it's not working, move on to a team, a city that's ready. Exactly. And even if they don't stick it in Miami, David Beckham still wants to build a team. But do we see him jump on the Minnesota train? Do we see him go over to L.A. and say, hey, guys, and I know I was a Galaxy player, but, you know, Miami didn't work out. Can I give you some millions and be an owner with Mia Hamm? And was it Magic Johnson and a few other big people out there, too? What What I can say to that is part of that agreement that he had is that he can't be part of a team in L.A. and he can't be part of a team in New York. Oh, bring a team to Wisconsin. The reason, there you go. Call James (laughs) Moran. Let's get the Barons going. (laughs) Right. Dang. That's ridiculous. Well, then maybe he should go to San Antonio then. Well, or or Sacramento. Yeah, Be the guy that says, you know what? I'll I'll be the final piece in this puzzle. That's true. I, 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 I guarantee you, if David Beckham were to go to Don Garber and say, you know what? I I'm done with Miami. I want to I want to make Sacramento the next team. It'd be done. Hmm. I'm sure there's other wild cards in there that I'm obviously sure. us laymen don't know about. Of course, but it just—it's getting to be ridiculous. And for all the success the league has had, the league has had this to me just looks like a momentum killing deal. I agree. No, I think that if even if it does go through, I feel like it's always going to be kind of that thorn in the league side. It's like, oh look, the team from Miami is here. Oh look, we have to promote Miami. I just feel like no one is ever going to fully get behind it with how much issue it caused the league. It's kind of like what the rest of the world, aside from Don Garber and those in New York, see about NYCFC, but, you know, it's Don's baby. He loves it. Speaking of uh, NYCFC, can we uh, transition here a little bit? So, interesting news. New York City FC, obviously owned by the City Group that owns Manchester City and also uh, owns Melbourne City Mm. in the A-League in Australia. They sold, listen, only 13% off of their of their business. Okay. $400 million. Dear God. So, so the rumor is that's the money they're going to use to either buy, well, probably buy Messi, mm-hmm. but perhaps Ronaldo, one of those two. Either one. Let's buy both. Why not? But, so how does this connect back to our conversation about Miami? Well, oh, it's you, all connected. You, you've got a few people in New York going, okay, so $400 million, and that only gets you 13% mm-hmm. of this company's uh, business. So if, if you do the math, that ends up being... a couple of more than a couple of billion dollars that this group is worth mm-hmm. they can't build a stadium in new york city impossible not enough space no couldn't happen never That's and i'm sorry i'm sorry once again uh aren't you supposed to have a stadium in place in order to get a franchise no that's just <laughs> conventional that's what you're supposed to do that's what you're supposed to do uh Somebody on Periscope says, with the money that they want, they want to usually get messy, and they want to get Pep together as well, which would make sense. Um, but the thing with um, Pep Guardiola, though, coming to Man City, I mean, Pellegrini's doing really well. I mean, he is. Man City, I heard it out today on Sirius XM, uh, not to divert too much, but um, Pellegrini, they are, in every single contest or competition, 
that they've that they entered this year. Like, you know, they have the FA Cup that they're still rolling in. They're in the Champions League. They're through. They're top of the Premier League. They just, thre- um, what are they, in the Capital One Cup as well. Semifinals. Um, they are succeeding in all of their areas. That's not grounds to fire a coach in my, in, in my mind. But maybe Pellegrini might be looking to hang it up or just change scenery after sure. this year. That sure. is possible. Sure. But if you're succeeding on a high level as a manager in all competitions... Why would you want to leave? Especially for an English club. I mean, exactly. that's, that's unheard of. It is. It is. I, I don't know. I don't know if he'll end up going or not, but uh, the l- interview that I was listening to um, today with him made it sound very, like he was very happy to be there. Uh, right. No, and, I, and uh, great. I love, I love the tweets coming in here. They do make a great point. Yeah, they'd sack him to get Pep. And that's why I say it, it, crazier things have happened. Um, but he's doing well for the English mm-hmm. clubs, but Pep is Pep. He's true. Would Pellegrini then go and take Pep's job at Bayern Munich? I don't think so. No? I don't think so. Is that very unconventional? Yeah. Is he too Italian for the Germans? Honestly, yeah. Probably I think he sense. may be. Hmm. He may be. Yeah, I don't know what would happen with that, but Rafa Benitez might be out in Real Madrid sooner rather than later as well. So oh, maybe there you go. Pellegrini right. can go take that job as well. That's a little bit more. The Spanish are closer than the Germans to Italians when it comes to that. But going back to Manchester City, though, as you mentioned, they had an interesting rumor emerge uh, since the season is over, we've heard about different players being loaned back and forth. I forget one of the players, but one of the original uh, NYCFC players got loaned over to Manchester City. His name escapes me. He's a field player, very talented young guy. But then there were rumors that emerged about the goalkeeper, Josh Saunders. Yes. Going to Manchester City. And my <laughs> I'm first, already laughing. And my first <laughs> thought was, um, what? I just... what. <laughs> When I first heard it, I thought, surely they're talking about him just going over the train yeah. in the offseason. No, 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 Simon. They were full-blown looking to bring him over as a player for Manchester no, look, City. I don't, it's, I don't mean – I'm not laughing at Josh Saunders just for the record. I, he's, he's been on – no, he's been on a crazy life journey. True, you know, true, true. Struggled with drugs, and he seems to have overcome that. So Good for he's him. actually a great story to talk about in that respect. But we're talking about Manchester City. Do they not know who their goalkeeper is? Joe Hart. Joe Hart. Joe Hart. Right. Last I checked, he's well, you know, and that's the one thing of the best in the world. What, what they were talking about is him actually being Joe Hart's backup. But even then, I, Come I, on. I, I can't imagine Josh Saunders as the player they would look to. No. Other than, again, that he's in the city group. And I get uh, that. But I feel like they could bring in a youth academy. This is nothing right. against Josh. I think they could bring in somebody from the youth academy, somebody a little bit more established, someone that you know is a little bit more reliable, not as old. Well, that's the thing. Josh Saunders is, I He's believe, in his 30s. 36. Yeah. Why would you want him? I mean, you talk about guys in their late 30s in the Premier League. You think of, you know, Casey Keller was successful in Premier League for a while. Tim Howard, Brad Guzan. But those guys have been in that league their entire career, right. basically. Right. You know, I mean, they are accustomed. They've, they're veterans of that. It's like throwing Josh Saunders out there for the men's national team in, you know, a World Cup game against Brazil or something. Sure. That's just not going to sure. go well. It's just right. not. He's not used to the, the speed, the pace, the technicality of it. It just wouldn't move. It just wouldn't work at all. No. Well, it was it was fun while it lasted, but apparently reports are coming out already that <sighs> Thank God. Uh, this came from Empire of Soccer, so one of the New York websites that no, this is this is not the case. Uh, that in fact Saunders will go over there to possibly train, but he will be back in a month as they uh, as New York City FC comes down to play the Puerto Rican national team in, ah. a, in a friendly off season friendly there, um, and actually. Patrick Vieira, that'll be his first game with 
the baby blues, oh, as yes. I like to affectionately call them. Of uh, he still won't officially be in charge, but that'll be his... The, why will he the, not the, officially be in charge? His contract doesn't start until the actual preseason starts. So, <sighs> so that, that's why. That makes but, sense. Uh, but no, Josh Saunders will not be the next golden oh goalkeeper at Manchester City. I wouldn't even know what to do. I could see it happening where he goes over to train, Joe Hart gets hurt in the game. <gasps> Josh! Josh, we need you! And they ride... And they're, playing, and they're playing Manchester United. To the Premier League, and they win the title after Josh Saunders saves the game-winning penalty kick. That that's almost sounds like the script for the movie Gold, but it was obviously a field player with the Newcastle United. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, no. Now, one thing, one thing is for sure. Yes. This is not a rumor. Thankfully. Giassi Zardes. Great player. Uh, you could say it's a rumor in that it hasn't happened, but... Reading in the championship is yeah. seriously looking at Giassi Sardis. Uh, their manager, Clark, came out and even said that uh, Zardis has been on the club's radar for quite a while now. It's true, yeah. Um, we have somebody on Periscope asking when we do this show. Uh, the show is broadcast on sportsradioamerica.com uh, from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern, but you can listen to the show on demand. You can go back listen to all of our episodes by going to iHeartRadio. Uh, dot com or Spreaker.com or downloading the podcast on iTunes as well and then just search for two up front and then you'll see it pop up. So. Well, thanks for your kind words, sir. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank really you. Do. Yeah. really do. It's nice to know that people appreciate the work we're doing. Yeah. Um, but Zardis, though... Uh, Who, whose work is also obviously appreciated. It is. It's being appreciated. <laughs> if you have anybody from England that's you know fairly high up looking at a young budding player that potentially bodes well for his career. Right. I, I actually, it doesn't surprise me that he's getting interest. What surprises me is that Reading has just come out and said, yeah, we're, we're interested in this guy. And there's, and there's other clubs interested in this guy. Reading's actually saying that. You know, hmm. a lot of times these, these managers will basically do a no comment or they'll make a comment that he sure. actually means no comment, uh, where Reading is coming out and saying, yeah, we're, we're interested in this young guy and we'd, we'd like to see him come over here. You know, it wouldn't, you know, it'd be an interesting move. I don't know... Uh... I don't know. I feel and, like, and if it does happen, Baxter, it's looking at a two million pounds, so about a three and a half million dollar transfer fee. That's is not the, bad. Uh, is the rumor there? That's not bad at all for a young budding U.S. men's national team star. But the reason I'm kind of holding all my comments is because we are going to use this as our fifty-fifty segment today. All right. So uh, the way our fifty-fifty segment works here, um, we are. Uh, we take on a topic in the soccer world, and uh, Simon and I each take a side of it. We each get 45 seconds to uh, discuss our thoughts and feelings about it and then uh, hash it out a little bit more after that and then go to a break and then let you guys on Twitter decide by tweeting at us at 2UpFrontSoccer, at Baxter Colburn, and at Simon Provan. So uh, 45 seconds on the clock for uh, either of us. I uh, think you went first last I'm week? not sure how it went. I don't remember I, how. Either way. Do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Okay, Simon will go first. So the official topic is whether or not we believe that Jossie Zardes should go to Reading. If a transfer exactly. offer is made, should he go? Should he go? Should and he go? And is it, is it, a, is it ultimately a, good a good thing or a bad thing? Yes. Right. All right, 45 seconds on the clock for Simon. On your mark, get set, Go. Yeah, Baxter, for me, I, I'm totally cool if this move actually happens. I think it's great for Zardes, and I actually think it's good for the Galaxy in a couple of respects. First, it's not the Premier League, so I don't think we'll see Zardes suffer from going over there and then having to ride the bench the entire time. It's the championship, which, if you look at it, the MLS is pretty much at that level with the championship, so we're not looking at a huge step up in competition for Zardes, so I think we'll see him get playing time. For the Galaxy, they've got an overload of players. Uh, they need money. They've got to figure out a way to 
buy down uh, Gonzalez's contract again or, or get rid of Gonzalez. This could help with that if they get this transfer fee so they can buy down Gonzalez's car- contract so they don't have four DPs again. So ultimately for the Galaxy, Rosardis, it's a good thing. Time. All right. Well done, sir. Nicely done. All right. That means uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're taking the opposite side. That's usually I, how this works. I guess we'll find that out in three, <laughs> two, one. See, I believe that this is, it's great that he's drawing this much attention, but I do not think that Jassy Zardes needs to move over to any other team at this point in his career. He had one good calendar year of a career thus far. He's just now started to break into the U.S. men's national team. And if I'm a young budding forward, I would rather play for a team like the LA Galaxy where I have the opportunity to learn from Steven Gerrard and, oh, one of the MLS best 11, again, Robbie Keane. If I have the opportunity to learn from Robbie Keane on a daily basis, that's not going to only make me better as a player. It's going to make me better long, longevity-wise for my career as well. Zardes, I think he's being a little too overhyped right now. I think the move would be good in maybe another year or two, but right now, at this moment in his career, Jossie's artist needs to stay in MLS, work with Robbie Keane and the Galaxy more, and become that focal point of their attack. Time. Yeah, you know, this is, this is one of those situations that either way you look at it, you can make a, you can get, make a good argument either way. It's true. Way. It is very true. All right, well, we're going to jump to a break. When we come back, we're going to have a special guest on the phone with us. You're not going to want to miss it as we talk a little MLS transfer rumors. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I am Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. A quick announcement for all of you awesome people out there. If you enjoy listening to Two Up Front, we have a way for you to show your support, not only by listening and following the show, but uh, if you would be interested in getting a little bit of Two Up Front swag and also just supporting a great show, uh, we have a patron account. Uh, you can go to www.patron.com slash Soccer. And you can check out our profile there, and we've got a few different rewards that we offer out to our fans if you are kind enough to offer us a little bit of a donation as well. So uh, the links will be posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages as well, which is 2UpFront and then 2UpFrontSoccer as well on Twitter. Uh, We'd love it if you were able to support the show and help uh, Simon and I on our continued quest of building a 
international soccer show. Yeah, and, and by the way, I know we're going to have connected, but just so you're aware, uh, patron is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So a little bit different of a spelling there. Yes, indeed. So go up there, and then if you can't find our uh, place eventually, or right away, search for Two Up Front Soccer. It'll pop up that way. Uh, if not, send us a message. We'll send you the link and get you all squared away. So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Baxter. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but, <laughs> okay. but you know what? what's the reason for people, especially during this time of the season of giving. Why, mm-hmm. why should people give to Two Up Front? Well, I think one of the great things about Two Up Front is that we do our best to reach out to the soccer community, not only here in Milwaukee. We've had guys like Andy Davion from the Milwaukee Torrent and James Moran from uh, the Milwaukee Barons. We try to build a awareness of what's happening in the Wisconsin soccer scene, but we also try to make what we do here, what we talk about, enjoyable for a global audience because we try not to just stay just in MLS. We stray across the pond occasionally. We have international guests on from England, and we just try to tell people a little bit more about how the soccer world is, how it is, instead of just sugarcoating it sometimes. We're not afraid to be a little too upfront right, with people. Right, right. So and we, we want to grow the show. And, we do. And ultimately, we can only do that if, if we got some cash on hand. Exactly. Exactly. So we've had some good support so far, and we'd love to have uh, more, so- more support as well. So uh, one, one more time, it's www.patron.com slash 2upfrontsoccer. Uh, links will be posted on our Facebook and on our Twitter pages as well. So uh, we've got a special guest joining us via the phone, Simon, a good friend of ours that we got to meet uh, down in Chicago in person. He was on 2upfront for a little while back in the middle uh, when we talked about the Gold Cup. Uh, he's been a writer for Vavil. He was a writer for Playing for 90. He is a very acclaimed man. He knows a lot about a lot of different things. It's our good friend Afshin Zahri. So good uh, evening to you, Afshin. How are you, sir? Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me on again. I've uh, been listening very closely since you guys had me on at the, uh, the Gold Cup. Very very big fan of the show. So uh, very, very many reasons for everyone to give back to uh up front. Hey, thanks. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Um, so we brought you in to talk about uh, your favorite MLS team, but a team you enjoy covering as well for Vavil USA and also for playing for 90, uh, the Chicago Fire. Now, uh, the Chicago Fire have just recently announced all of their players that they're either uh, declining their options on or just not uh, going to a uh, chance to re-sign or any of that. And the list came out, and there wasn't you know, a lot of high-class, high-caliber players too much on there, aside from guys like Jeff Lorenowitz, um, Matt Watson. But then the big name that I think a lot of folks are having a bit of a stink about is Mike McGee. Mike McGee will be officially a free agent and will no longer be a part of the Chicago Fire unless they try to work out a new contract deal. As someone that covers the Chicago Fire action, did you see Mike McGee not being covered by the team as an option going into this offseason? Um, yeah, very, very good points brought up, uh, brought up by you, Baxter. It's been, it's been a difficult season uh, in Chicago, or if you want to be technical in Bridgeview, uh, <laughs> the Chicago Fire. <laughs> I'm still very bitter about that stadium. Uh, that said, like you said, there wasn't much quality on the list. That's probably because there isn't too much quality on the side. Uh, but in terms of, let's, let's be specific here on Mike McGee, where the question was raised. Uh, the big problem with him is uh, two years removed from that MVP season where he scored 15 goals in 22 games. is very magical. The home, homeboy came back uh, to the area mm-hmm. from Elmhurst. Uh, problem is, though, he's had to hit the knee surgery over the past you know, couple of years now. I think he had those in, in September of last year. Uh, and... He's also not been very happy with the, the medical staff. Actually, his rehab taken a long amount of time. He was on $400,000. And so the team declined him. Uh, 
And it's very, actually, very cloudy on whether he's going to come back or not, uh, you know, because he made some statements just as recent as late October, uh, where he said, this will be the first soccer team I loved, and one way or another, it will be the last. Ooh. Uh, So So he made a statement like that. Do you think he's going to retire? See, yeah, that was was a very interesting thing. So he said something like that. Then he said that surgeries made him stronger and better, and he claims that, you know, he's ready to play five more years. So my my take is, uh, I think the Fire are going to offer him a low ball low ball offer. Mm-hmm. Um, he just had a second kid. I'm not sure if he's going to he's going to take that. But the only other team that I could see him going to outside of the Fire would be uh, back to LA. And that was my first thought that I had too. Um, especially if, as we were mentioning on our last segment, if Zardis does go to Reading. Why not bring a, a veteran guy back in that you could probably get for, as you mentioned, a lower, a mid-range amount of cash? He's an established player. You don't want to underpay him, but he also hasn't produced a lot over the last two years. I, I, I wonder if he would go back to LA. Well, the other thing to consider with, with that statement, too, though, is that he may not be saying that he's going to sign with the fire, but he may be saying that after he's done playing, whoever he's playing with, that he wants to come back to the fire and coach. That's not the worst idea. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's actually a, a good thing because actually Fire fans have been trying to encrypt what he's been saying uh, <laughs> because of that fact. You know, he's saying that, and then also he took out of his, his Twitter profile, I guess, that he's a Chicago Fire player, which is technically true. Uh, but technically, right, yeah, he's true. out of yeah. contract. Yeah. And, and all that stuff. So, uh, but, but it seems like the fan base here uh, is also okay with the decisions that have been made uh, regarding Mike and that we want to move towards uh, more of a younger team. Uh, and that Gilberto has kind of taken taken the reins up front, and that they they welcome him back on a, on a lower deal. But there are many areas that the team uh, needs to improve on. Hmm. So I could see Mike going to to LA, and then maybe like like you guys are saying. Later, yeah, and you know what you you can't future. you can't blame the club. I mean, Mike came in at a high price. He um, did. Was he, know, a, he was a DP for them, wasn't he? Technically, I, I believe wasn't he Ashvin? I believe he was a DP. Was, oh, a DP. He was. He's not a. Uh, He's not a DP, actually. Okay. But he's he's around four. He's very high end for a non-designated player. Okay. Uh, price range. So I mean, uh, basically, what they bought Kennedy Igbon and Ike down for is very similar to what where Mike McGee did. Okay. Or Mate, that makes sense. Well, what I was going to say, you know, you see players have a great season and then they want to renegotiate their contract. Yeah. You never see players when they have a bad season decide they want to try to <laughs> renegotiate that contract. They're like, look, guys, I just wasn't that great this year. You might right. as well take some money from me. So it's fair for the club to come back and say, look, Mike, yeah, we were paying you a high amount, but, buddy, you've, you've been on, you've been on uh, a you know, surgery. run of form right, in the last right. two years. I mean, well, he hasn't been playing because of... Because of the yeah. surgeries. and uh, But even know. when he has been playing, let's be honest, it hasn't been the Mike McGee of old. It wasn't that MLS MVP Mike McGee. It wasn't even the LA Galaxy Mike right. McGee. Right. You know? I mean, and that LA Galaxy Mike McGee was decent, but he wasn't what we saw during that MVP year from him. Absolutely. No, you guys bring up great points, especially with, like, like I think, hip and knee surgery. That's something, those are very difficult things to, uh, to recover from. No sure. kidding, so yeah. I, I don't think there's any chance he returns to... Chicago Fire MVP season Mike McGee form, but you know there's hope maybe he could be like the LA Galaxy maybe as, as Baxter was was noting there. So I mean we'll see what what he does. He has that twenty eight eight rule where he can he can choose any team he wants because he's above the age of twenty eight or if you're in the yeah for yeah he's one of the that's what Baxter and I were trying to figure out before the show. So he is one of the first official free agents in MLS, yeah, which does not happen very often, honestly, especially with how MLS works now. You kind of make that mention. You mentioned that option that he can choose 
any team that he wants. What? Let's go from it from two sides here, and I'll ask this to you, Simon, as well. Where do you think he should go if you could, if you could choose if you could fill a, if you could fill a void on another team? Where do you think he would be a good fit for? And realistically, what do you think he ends up doing? And I know you kind of already answered it, Afshin, a little bit, but I'm curious to know if you if you could use him as a, a player to plug into any MLS team, saying, "Look, you guys need some forward help. Look, here's Mike McGee." Boy, that's 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 a, very, that's a, a very, tough very question. Good question. Uh, I'll start with the. the or do you want to go, Simon, first? No, I want you to go first. <laughs> okay. So you can okay. pull his answer off well, of you. Where we can, as as you're saying, I've already noted, and I'll touch up again. I think it's either going to be Chicago or, or LA for him. Uh, ultimately, on where he chooses, I think any team that that does want to take him on, depending on how much they pay, are going to be taking somewhat of a risk. Uh, you're getting some damaged goods. Uh, I don't see any because a lot of the playoff teams have those holes filled, you know, up top. And, and the only place I could really see him playing right now with those injuries might be up top or, or in the hole. But he wouldn't be one of those guys that's running too much anymore. He's getting up there in age, thirty-one. Uh, so I don't think it would be. It'd, it'd be probably for a team that's maybe on the on the outskirts of just making the playoffs or one of the lower seeded playoff teams. Uh, don't really have any. I can't really think of a team off the top of my head. If you give me a second here, I might be able to, to turn yeah. your one. But yeah, Simon, good question. Thank you, Simon. What are your uh, What are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, I'm kind of in the same place, Ashfrin. Um, you know, my first thought was, well, maybe a team like Philadelphia. Mm. I I don't think McGee is ever going to be a starter again. I think he'll always be a sub. The only way he starts right. is if somebody gets injured. He's not a um, bad sub to have off the bench, though. If you need no, 30 no. or 40 minutes from a player, he's not the worst option to have yeah. at your disposal. And I think Ashford and I were on the same page. As I actually just started looking at teams that didn't make the playoffs because the teams that did, they're, they're pretty much set up front. Ah, I would make an argument okay. about New England. Well, there is New England. That's true. I don't that's know if true. I'd want him in New England. Now, I was thinking about that because anytime I hear about a free agent, I'm always like, "Could they help New England?" Just, that's my bias as being a Revolution fan, though. Well, so, so for me, yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking possibly a team like Philadelphia, mm-hmm. where they're still trying to figure things out. Maybe you bring in a Mike McGee for the type of leadership that he can bring, yeah. to the squad that you know they're they're still quite young, and they also do have their veterans like Latou and and Connor Casey. Yeah. Um, but you're also seeing. You're seeing guys like Connor Casey as well True. Um, not be able to go a full 90 anymore. There's a, a side thought that I had here, not to, not to jump in. Um, you talk about having a, a guy that can come off the bench, and I know that this team made it fairly far in the playoffs, but I could see him maybe wearing the rave green of Seattle, coming off the bench as a sub for nope, Seattle. I don't. No? One reason. Why is that? They're turf. It's terrible. He would not risk his knees on that turf mm. for, half, for, for half a season. Fair enough. Well, that makes I, I can see that argument. A very good point brought up on the on the turf idea because I was thinking the same thing. They've they've made a living of taking our old players that were decent <laughs> or good today, like Chad Barrett or True. Marco Papan, you know, making us sit here and suffer watching them in the playoffs while we sulk at home. Uh, but actually, let me throw San Jose's name in the hat too. Actually, at a, a Mike team. McGee uh, Chris Wondolowski pairing isn't the worst idea, actually. <laughs> I don't know. They've, they've thrown Quincy Americo out there. so I, That's true. They, they yeah, there's another team with a former fire player. Mind, so. huh. <laughs> what is with you guys? You guys just produce. They're like, yeah, you're decent. Now they go to another team. Oh, what a great player. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Seems to happen all the time. 
all the time. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you made mention, too, of the turf, Simon. I, I think Vancouver's off the radar. I think Toronto's off the radar. I don't see him going to even, well. Well, Vancouver, they, they have grass now, though. Do they finally have yeah, grass? Okay. I believe they do. Uh, I, did, I don't think you, well, Vancouver doesn't but. have a prolific striker, but that's an argument for another time. Um Aside from that, though, I don't, I don't know. He doesn't fit into FC Dallas's system. Um, he doesn't. No Houston, yeah. eh, meh, I don't know about Houston. I don't. Maybe I'm looking at Colorado. I think they have some young forwards, so they certainly would. Colorado's bring a young team. Yeah. I mean, yeah. would he go to? Would he be a sub for Columbus? I mean, he's from. Is he from the Chicago area? Yeah. Yeah, he's from Elmhurst. If he goes to Columbus, I don't know if I can be able to ever say his name again. And that's what I wonder, though, too, <laughs> is if, hypothetically, if Columbus were to come to him saying, hey, look, we know you're from the general area, would you consider, you know, because I'm sure at this point you mentioned he just had a second kid. He doesn't want to be moving his family all over the United States. To move south by just a few hours to Columbus, maybe not yeah, the worst I, idea for him. I just I just cannot. I cannot see him do that. There has been a <laughs> Chicago guy and yeah. played for Columbus, and that was Eric Gehrig. Uh, but oh, he came yeah. over from, from Columbus. But I've never seen it go the other way where a guy, a uh, Chicago guy, goes over there. I'm not sure if, that, I'm not sure if he, would, he would do that. Uh, well, yeah. he, he seems to really love the area. So. Yeah, I was going to say, there, there was another big name that did go the opposite way, is Brian McBride. Yeah? Was with, was, the, was with the crew, then went over to England and came back and played with the fire for a while. Played with the fire. Hmm. Fair enough. Okay, oh, so oh, oh, oh now that we've kind of tossed all everything around as well, um, realistically, let's just briefly touch on it because I know Simon has another question for you, Ashton. But uh, realistically, though, do we think at the end of the day that Chicago is either going to A, offer him a new contract, or B, he does end up in L.A.? Or what, is, what do we realistically think is going to happen with this Mike McGee, Mike McGee deal? In the end, I think Chicago throws him a really low offer. Uh, I don't think he's going to... I don't think he's going to accept him, and I think it goes back to L.A. Hmm. Um, does L.A. And, want him, though? And that will be that. What was that? I said, does L.A. want him, though? That's my question. That is, that is a good question. Uh, it depends how much they'd be willing to throw, and I'm guessing that will also be a low offer. No matter where he goes, I don't think he's going to get much. Um, but I think L.A. could find some sort of capacity to use him, especially if, you know, Zardes heads out, as you guys were saying. True, right? They might have a hole for a guy that could come in and play like 30 minutes off the bench. Well, and also, you know, Bruce Arena's been known to be loyal to his guys. True. And Mike McGee is still a Bruce Arena guy. True. Uh, you know, Absolutely. he brought over Burhalter, brought over Santa when they were yeah. quite old uh, for soccer players. So I could easily see Arena saying, yeah, come on over. We'll, we'll make it work. Um, so moving on from McGee. I'm, I want to get your thoughts on the new fire manager, Ponovich, if I'm saying that correctly. Yes, yes, good old Pono coming in. <laughs> uh, I, I like that question, actually, uh, because when he was first announced, uh, there were actually about like 15 to 20 names that were floating around when we were talking about managerial searches, and everyone was wondering, who's it going to be? Uh, the, the big name was Tab Ramos. Yep, I heard uh, that and, for a while. You know, U.S. development, and because he, you know, Nelson Rodriguez did a lot with U.S. development, They'd bring in Tab Ramos, and we'd have a bunch of U.S. youth players, and everyone got all giddy and excited. And then, uh, then this was announced: Velko Panovich, uh, or sorry, Velko Panovich, coming in. And there were a lot of confused, confused people. They weren't too sure of how to take it. Uh, but he has, in the maybe been what a week, two weeks now. He's going to actually get announced tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. at the uh, Fire Soccer Facility in downtown. Um, but he's really interacted a lot on social media with the fans. 
uh, and they're loving it. Uh, huh. He he wouldn't be the first foreign coach to come in, uh, and you know because he he did finish his career out in Philadelphia in 2011. Yes, I'm not sure many people know about that. I, I actually did it. not. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I, I think now that you say that, it it sounds semi familiar, but it's not something I would have been able to officially declare if you asked me originally. Right, right, and that's uh, that's something everyone's like. Well, does he have uh, familiarity with the MLS or with MLS? Sorry, not the uh, with MLS. And a lot of people are worried about that. I mean, you look at you know where he's played. He's played for Atletico Madrid and then finished out in, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And you could look at some other foreign coaches that came in, like Oscar Perea, and mm. he had some sort of MLS knowledge beforehand. So so people here are optimistic. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. Uh, like I said, he connects pretty well with the with the fans. So Which is important. He could bring in like a youth movement. And, right. Well, I, I, think, I think one of the positives is that um, – you know he's he he wasn't a a huge manager of a big club he wasn't a uh just a, a very well known name uh he wasn't coaching huge the senior full national teams but he coached the Serbian U20 team to a 2015 championship you know he beat in Brazil in the uh, 2015 U20 World Cup final um i think that actually bodes well that that's a good european pickup mm-hmm. because he's learned how he's got to develop players in the system you know, he he gets the fact that there's more of a development angle in the MLS than there is going out and splashing the cash and just bringing in people to fix your problems. Yeah, exactly, which is something you definitely want to be careful about when it comes to something like that. Yeah, absolutely. You guys uh, you guys hit the, hit the nail on the head there. Uh, and that's the reason people were worried, because someone like uh, Ponovich has never managed a club team, uh, comes in, and then going back to the list that you gave Baxter on the players that the fire picked up and declined, uh-huh. uh, they currently have no one over 30 on their roster. All players wow. on the current roster as of now are under 30, and the, the guys they picked up, the four names, uh, were two homegrown guys, Harry Schiff and, and Patrick Duty, who are both under Rightfully. 25 and under. Rightfully and so. And Bryce, who are draft picks. So. Well, there's got to be a point where the Chicago Fire says, we gotta, we got to rebuild. You know they could, they they've kept trying to patch holes over the past couple of years. Obviously, it hasn't been working. This year being probably the worst of many. Um, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, you guys have a seems to be a bit of an absentee owner out there as well. Hmm. Um, so there's, there's got to be a point where, as a club, you just got to decide. You know what? Let's suffer for a couple of years through the name of development. And this yeah. this I think this could be the first move in in doing that. Oh, absolutely! Every year we keep saying. Uh, it's not going to get any worse, is it? And, and it <laughs> continues to get worse. Uh, but but like but like you're saying, we have an absentee owner. There isn't much that's going to you know that we can do about it. He's not going to leave anytime soon. Uh, but the fact that they brought in Nelson Rodriguez, a guy who's very familiar with the youth here in the U.S., they brought in Velko Panovic, who might even have you know some connections in Europe and, and could bring in some young guys over there. Between the two, you can bring in a bunch of youth players. It looks like they're going towards that. That direction, which also comes back to our McGee talk, which is why I ultimately don't think they're going to mm. uh, retain him. And so you're looking at a team that's going to work from youth, and they have a few. They have a few good weapons up front, a few good young players. David Akam was a good pickup in the by the previous regime, uh, hoping that he can continue. Jobin Jones was a good pickup by the previous regime, but they have a lot of work to be done on the uh, the center backs and the, and the right back position. Fair enough. 
Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of other work that needs to happen out there. Well, before we let you go, Ashton, there have been two other uh, announcements in Major League Soccer that have been in, um, announced. They haven't officially been announced yet just because, you know, the season's still going on and offseason and all that hasn't been happening yet. But uh, the two big things that I've uh, heard rumors about and are a little surprised at, maybe you're maybe not as surprised, maybe, Simon, I don't know what your thoughts are about it as well, but uh, Lamar Nagel going to D.C. United uh, has been a big uh, talking point around uh, MLS, but then also Chris Pontius from DC United being traded to the Philadelphia Union for allocation money. Uh, what do you think about those two moves for Nagel and Pontius, respectively, uh, Simon? I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, I think you know Nagel's again one of those cases where he just he got he got played out. Mm. Um, uh, DC Chris Pontius, th- that is a bit of surprise. Um, but I think he's going to a club that could really use him as well. So I, I actually don't think any of these deals are big surprises. Pontius more than Nagel, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I actually think it's a it's a very good move by DC because they they also need to they're not in a total hole like the Fire are, they're but their their inconsistent season yeah was indicative of of a team that also you know obviously is in flux and they need to figure things out. So getting more of that allocation money. Allows them to go out or, and shop around for a player. Absolutely. Yeah. We're chatting with Ashton Zahir of Valley USA, talking about uh, the transfer season that is taking place in MLS right now. Ashton, what are your thoughts about uh, Lamar Nagel and Chris Pontius as well? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Simon on the fact that the, uh, the Lamar Nagel one was a little less surprising. I think Seattle has, has the players now to, you know, to plug in where, you know, where he can play. And uh, the, the Chris Pontius deal is, is a very interesting one. Uh, I think it works out for Philadelphia pretty well, too. Um, kind of talked about from their perspective, they really need a player of his look on their side. And I think in the end for D.C., it's going to work out money-wise. Um, I believe Pontius makes it is a lot more expensive than Nagel. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. So, yes, yep. Uh, so I think for them, if it, it works out, they can kind of address some other position uh, and not lose too much quality. But I think the union... Got to talk about them a little bit. I think for them it's a good move. They're another side, uh, very similar to, to the guys I root for the fire that are that are struggling to make it through. Um, had some issues with ownership, so hopefully they can make some good moves and and their fans, their suffering fans, can uh, can see some good soccer play too. So it's a it's a good start for them. We'll see what can come out of that for them. Absolutely, uh, yeah. As well, so, I think this is going to be uh, some interesting moves that are going to shake things up a little bit. I was a little surprised uh, by Pontius getting traded since I know he's kind of a household name around uh, DC United. Uh, I've also heard rumors as well that Perry Kitchen might be on his way out as well, another guy that's made his living in D.C. I don't know where or any of that stuff yet, but I have heard rumors that he might not be with United next year, which maybe would benefit from them, but he's been such a a strong presence in the midfield for them that I don't know if they'd be willing to let a player like him go. Right. You know, the one thing I'll say about Pontius is that he's been a bit... uh Injured here and there, yep. and you know United's paying him a base salary of three hundred sixty-five thousand dollars. I think that's also partly what he's falling victim to here. It's it's the it's the Mike McGee thing, True. right? That he's he's been paid a lot of money, and unfortunately, to, due to injury, he hasn't been able to always live live up to that money. Exactly, absolutely. All yeah, right. Yeah. No. Going, going to the, the Perry Kitchen idea, I think that'd be a that'd be a huge mistake for for United. I think he's been he, he's been on the U.S. radar for. A long time now. I don't know if he's ever going to break through, but he's one of those fringe players that I think can uh, can really help them. So with Perry Kitchen, I, I, I would not like. To, I mean, if I were DC, I would not like. To hey, you know, another forward thinking thing there as well with Perry Kitchen to add to that is 
every offseason we hear rumors of him possibly being sold to somebody as well. Especially so, in Europe, too. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So if you're United, you've got, you got to be thinking a little bit uh, business-wise as well. Of What makes you know, the most sense. Sometimes you've got to sell a fan money. favorite. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, well, Afshin, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure, sir. We've loved having you on the show. Uh, where can people uh, find your work on Vavil? Well, thanks a lot, guys, for having me. So, uh, so I, I wrote on, I, I'm on and off for Vavil here and there. So, I, with my PhD work, I'm a little, uh, a little going under the radar. I haven't haven't written too much lately. But they can find me on uh, on Twitter at actionz951, and uh, I usually post anything that I write on on there or that I do. So, or my soccer thoughts, you can comment on those. And hey, Ashburn, like, 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 like Carlos Vela. So, there you go. Yeah. With that one. <laughs> Can't let you go without asking uh, your prediction for Sunday. Oh, yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> Simon, you, I'm rooting for Portland. Okay, <laughs> let, me, let me preface this with I'm rooting for Portland. Obviously, I never would root for that yellow team. I'll never name them on the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of it, I mean, it's a great matchup. MLS fans should be licking their chops. Yes, I agree. Yes. Guys. You got the Argentines that are working. You know, they have the space, the connection, the tempo right behind the, uh, the strikers and Iguain for the yellow team and Diego Valeri for the Timbers. <laughs> uh, you've got each, each team has their destroyers. You got Johnny and Diego Chara. You got the wingers, Finley and Nagby. And then you have those uh, the attackers, uh, Adi, who has 18 goals. But I think the big difference maker, I hate to say it, but I've seen him live and he's an absolute <laughs> beast. Uh, is Kai Kamara. Um, I think he's going to make the difference. He's very tough to contain. Uh, especially with Ridgewell, I think, being questionable. I'm not mm. sure if he's, he's going to play or not, and if he does, he's going to be injured. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or partially injured. So, so I'm not sure if they can contain Kai Kamara. I'll be rooting for them, too. Speaking of which, very quick note before... I'm sorry, I'll wrap it up. But, but Kamara, <laughs> no problem. Kamara, Kamara's one of those guys that went to the championship. Uh, that's true. Analyzed, went to Middlesbrough and then came back, and we see how that's rewards. Kind of referring back to your Zarda. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. That's true. Well done. Forgot about well that. Done, well done, Ashford. <laughs> so, you might have to so take our jobs. Jeez. In the end, I think uh, I think it's going to be two. I was going to say two nil earlier, but two one because these playoffs have been so exciting. True. Uh, to, the, to that yellow team. But mm. go Timbers. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, Afshin, thank you so much for joining us, bud. Uh, we'll be chatting with you again in the future. And uh, if something Absolutely. with Mike McGee happens, you know you'll be the first guy we call as well. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And, uh, and I'll keep listening and spread word about the show. Great show, guys. Thanks, Afshin. Thanks, Appreciate Ashton. it. All right. We're going to jump to a break. When we come back, it's time to hand out some awards, Simon. Maybe you'll get one, too. I don't know, for best co-host <laughs> of the year. We'll be back with more here on Two Up Front right after this.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter. I'm Simon. Indeed. <laughs> Forgot my name for a moment. <laughs> I'm so used to saying things and looking at other screens while I'm saying things, and then I'm like, and my name is... Baxter. I thought maybe you are just going to change it up, you know, just, just for fun. After that great call with Ashford, I thought maybe, yeah. uh, you know... Why not? Change it up. Off script! I don't know. No, I'm not going to go off script. I wouldn't do that to you, Simon. Script? We have a script? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, uh, while we're uh, kind of bouncing all over the place and going a little bit off script, Please. our good friend James Moran just happened to Woo! send me a great text. Ah, James. Uh, if you haven't heard, James has a pub down in South Milwaukee. His parents originally owned it. I think they st- still partial yes. owners, but uh, uh, yeah. but whatever it may be, James has taken over. He has revamped this pub. It is it is a soccer pub down in South Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. Cool new logo, Moran's Pub. Anyways, he is having a sponsored match day down there. Guinness match day, December 5th, 2015. Games Ooh. start as early as 6.45 a.m. That's the Stoke City-Manchester City game. A uh, bunch of games at 9 o'clock. These are all central time, by the way. Of course. Uh, and the morning also has Chelsea taking on Burnhamuth at 11.30 a.m. How about that Everton game where they... Uh Oh my goodness! I don't even want to talk about it, but I already no? am. You if you didn't it. see yeah, it, you know Everton it. up three two. Look, or uh, no, there it's, it's tied two two. Everton puts in a goal in the ninety fifth minute. It's obviously it's stoppage time. Fans come storming the field, which is really what messed things up because then the ref adds more time on, and Burnmouth comes back and ties it up three <sighs> three mm-hmm. a couple of minutes later. But anyways, uh, if you're in the area. Stop by at Moran's Pub on December 5th. Tons of good stuff going on. It's the Guinness Match Day. It's going to be an exciting time. You're not going to want to miss it with our good friends over at Moran's Pub and James Moran. Great fellow. Absolutely. Wonderful guy. All right. It's time to hand out a few awards, Simon. Uh, you have a few awards that you would like to bring to the table, and we will... I thought, I thought it'd be fun, Baxter, just to throw out a couple of uh, our inaugural two-up-front team awards. Please. So we only have two of them. Okay. Maybe next year we'll have more. Maybe. Uh, and I know this... I've kind of thrown this at you. Didn't really talk about Depending this Depending on if somebody much. gets relegated, we might have less. We'll right. see. Relegated. What's that? Wait a second. Is that a thing? <laughs> no, just kidding. All right. So, Baxter. Mm-hmm. We want to give out two awards this year. Sounds good. Well, should we start positive or negative? Eh, let's go negative and negative. then we'll end on okay. a positive. Note. All right, sounds good. So it's better to end on a positive note. Who is your two up front most underwhelming team this year? Oh gosh, can I say New England for both? No, I'm not going to say New England. Although they were a little, I'm not going to be okay. I have two answers. One is New England. Okay. As a personal fan of the organization, sure. I sure. feel that New England was horrifically underperforming this year, and they are lucky that the Eastern Conference sucks and they were able to get into the playoffs. However, the real answer that underperformed, that underwhelmed, that did not step up their game this year, uh, and I know that they made a small run to the playoffs. They did make the playoffs, but it's the Seattle Sounders. I was horrifically embarrassed of how terrible they played this year. I thought that they were someone that was going into the season incredibly hyped. Everyone thought they were going to run the tables. I get it. Injuries happen. I totally get it. But they still had plenty of guys on that team that could step up and do things at a high level. And here they barely made it into the playoffs as that sixth seed, as we mentioned, if they don't play the normal playoff format that they had, that they had it last year, Seattle's not in the playoffs. I just think that they were very, very underperforming and are deserving of my didn't, didn't, that were underachieving this year. It's funny. Everything you said is the exact same argument, the exact same argument for the team that I choose. Oh, but I'm going to jump to the Eastern Conference. Fair enough. Toronto FC. Aha. I loved it when you said the only reason they made the playoffs is because they ended up in the sixth seed, which was an added position. this year. That's exactly what happened with TFC. They splashed so much money. Giovinco 
was wonderful, awesome. Sure. Arguably deserved the MVP. I would say Kai Kamara still deserved it because of what he's done with the whole team. Agreed. But nevertheless, uh, Toronto FC is definitely my underwhelming team of the year. Hmm. So that's the negative. Let's move to the positive. So the, the two up front, Baxter Colburn, most uh, overwhelming team. Most overwhelming. I'm so I mean that in a positive way. In a positive way. Right, right. Um, the most overwhelming um, we do have somebody, uh, Afshin, on Periscope, <laughs> way to stay with the show, Afshin, says, loves the TFC pick, uh, who I also would go with, is TFC eligible since they are underachieving every year? That is a very that good is, point. That is a good point. Very yes. good point. They are, uh, yeah. So I, how about the most surprising team? Let's put it that most way. Most surprising team is the Montreal Impact for me. Oh, okay. I think okay. that they made a positive impact on the soccer world. But uh, oh. tsh- um, we got to get a sound effect we button really machine. Need to. Um, I, I want to share the award, though, with, and I know I keep sharing my awards, I'm sorry, but at least for me, I always felt like there was somebody else that was right there with them. I was really glad that Vancouver finally upped their game this year. Ah, okay. I was okay. very happy with that. And I was going into the season saying, I mentioned like one of our first episodes saying, I'm a closet Vancouver fan. I've always liked what the organization has done. I'd like to see them exceed, you know, or exceed expectations here and actually do well. And sure enough, they grabbed, you know, a decent spot in the Western Conference playoffs. They grabbed the second seed, which is not bad overall from them after finishing with 53 points, but a mixture of Montreal and Vancouver with the surprise teams of the year. More so Montreal, though, with how they surprised us with the Confe- uh, the CONCACAF Cup and then their late-season surge because of Drogba as well. Well, I'll tell you what. My pick was actually very easy for me to choose, and that was the New York Red Bulls. Mm. The reason for me that they're the most surprising team is the off-season controversy that they had fired True. Mike Pecky? The fans were going crazy. Terry Henry's gone. Uh, who's the other big name that left? Why is his name escaping? Tim Cahill. Tim Cahill left. It looked like this team was just going to be in total disarray. Shambles. Whole team. Uh, Ali Curtis, the sporting director, comes out with his 565-page basic uh, plan of, of of how we're going to win the season. It just all sounded like a joke. Then they start the season with an incredibly impressive winning streak, yeah. and they finish the Supporter Shield winners. Um, that, Not to bad. me, that is so easily New York Red Bulls, my uh, most surprising team of the I year. I will agree with you. And were you surprised that Jesse Marsh won MLS Coach of the Not year? at all. No? Even with how good Montreal did this year and even some of the other coaches that were up. FC Dallas, as head coach, was up for that award. Oscar Pereira, and uh, it, was, it was a tight race between him and Jesse Marsh. But no, I, I, for all the reasons I just gave, uh, nobody gave the Red Bulls any credit whatsoever. Mm. You know, if you look at FC Dallas, Blas Perez coming into the season was still playing hot. Obviously, Fabian Castillo has, has, has done it all this season as far as uh, talk about consistency. Um, you've got some you know, great players on the... Uh, on the defensive end as well, um, is it Zach Lloyd? Name's escaping. I believe it's Lloyd. Back so, yeah. there. Of course, he didn't play in that last game against Portland. Um, but my, my point is, is that FC Dallas came into the season already expecting to be a good team. True. New York was expected to do to be basically not much with, with the youth that they have on the team. That's to me, is what makes it so impressive, is the, the youth that they have. That's supposed that to be true. a club that's almost rebuilding. You're right. But... Uh, Jesse Marsh has a great system that he put into place, and the players all bought into it from day one. And as I said, now they're Supporter Shield winners. Um, To take a club like that and make them number one in MLS, I don't care that it's the weaker Eastern Conference. That's still impressive. And then you finish the year being a goal away 
from getting to MLS Cup. <laughs> Inches away That's from not, getting to MLS Cup. That goal. Oh, my goodness. That almost goal. Almost goal, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you have to congratulate the Red Bulls for what they did this year. Fantastic yeah. job from them. Organization as a whole has made a lot of big steps moving forward. They overcame all the obstacles except for, you know, three inches or whatever it was. But if you can do what everyone thought they weren't going to do and only be three inches away from going to a final, I think you're fine. That's a win in my book. If I'm an organization standpoint, if I go to my oh, end, yeah. end of my year meeting and say, you know what, guys, we did good. Ali Curtis did say after the uh, semifinal loss that for the first time in New York's history, they have a team that they know what to expect next year. Mm. That's huge. That is. You normally can't say that, especially in soccer, too, with an ever-changing market and ever-changing influx of players. Now, I know Bradley Wright Phillips says he does not want to leave the league, that he loves playing in MLS. He doesn't want to go back to England. Uh, I just I kind of wonder what would happen if a team from the Premier League did come by or, or Holland. That's, that's a league that Bradley Wright Phillips, I think, could totally excel in, uh, an offensive-minded league like in mm-hmm. the, the Eredivisie. But, you know, let's say that some team from Air Divisi does come and say, you know what, we'll pay $10 million for this guy. Yeah. Do they say no to that? Uh, I, 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 I think he's know. too old where that kind of cash would be tossed out there. True. But, uh, but even anyways, still, just an interesting, been a interesting hypothet- hypothetical to think Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Well, uh, some of the other awards that have been announced, uh, I made mention of this two weeks ago. Uh, I didn't get your opinion on it, but Kyle Lahren, winning Rookie of the Year. What were your thoughts well about deserved. him? Well-deserved. Yeah. He did a fantastic job. 17 goals as a rookie. And what's cool, too, is that he was a number one pick. Yeah. It's about time a number one draft exactly. pick in any That's sport my point. does something yep. good. Right, right. So congratulations to Kyle Lahren, one of the only bright spots of Orlando's season. I mean, they were a, a game or two out of the playoffs, so not bad for an expansion team. But uh, one thing I do want to make a, a good mention about, though, we'll get to the MLS Best 11 in just a moment, is you mentioned briefly earlier in the show about Sebastian Giovinco. He was named the Landon Donovan. I still don't understand why they call it the Landon Donovan MLS Trophy. As I feel like how many people on Twitter today like, Landon Donovan won the MVP award? It's like, <laughs> no. No, he didn't win the MVP award. They named it after him to make him. I think they should have been like the BMW, the Audi, the something. Like, don't name it after a player that's still alive and still very much <laughs> that could still play the make game. Make sure they're dead first so they can't or appreciate the Or at least old. Honor. Like, Landon Donovan <laughs> could still go out there and play better than most people in Look, MLS. It's, it's because of the sacrifice that he I made. No, I, mean, I know. Huge. But from a marketing perspective, think about it next time. Come on. I'll let you have this rant. I'll Thank just, you. I'll just I just, I'm just saying, I feel like Landon Donovan, I, I love Landon Donovan. Don't take it away, but the first year he's out of the league to name it the MVP award after him, I'm like, come on. Hey, maybe the league really wanted to make him stay retired, so that's the way of doing it. What if Landon Donovan would have won the Landon Donovan <laughs> right. MVP award? What if he comes back now? He's like, I want to win my own award. Like, Does he get his own little award since his name is on the trophy? That would be something. That Landon Donovan be. with the Landon Donovan MVP yeah. trophy. Like was it, would he holding himself? Like a pic- I don't know how he would do it. Like a statue of himself he's holding? I know it's not an actual statue of him. That'd be funny if it was. But I think it's like a little glass plaque thing. I don't know. Either way, Giovinco won the MVP award. Do you like it? Giovinco had a record-breaking season. He did. I get that. I totally get that. Kai Kamara is going to the MLS Cup final. True. Um, and he was extremely valuable in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. What did Toronto FC do in the playoffs? Ah, uh, they crashed and burned hard. They did. So for me, that's got to be the MVP award is one of the lone awards that I think you have to consider the full season. When I say full season, I mean all the way through the playoffs, mm-hmm. all the way through the final. Kai Kamara did enough to earn that award. Agreed. I absolutely agree. And no offense to Benny Felhopper, and I think they were just kind of scrapping for a third guy, but 
He was never going to be in this conversation. No, he wasn't. He, he never wasn't. was. I mean, great for him to at least get the the nomination. You know, you can put that on your re- soccer resume saying, I was nominated for the MVP award. That's great. No business. No business. It was always between Giovinco and Kamara. And if you want to look at if Toronto had even gone even another round farther, not got shut out by Montreal in the first round of the knockout stage, maybe we talk about it a little bit more. But Sebastian Giovinco was shut out by Montreal in the last game of the season that got Montreal into the season that into the playoffs and also got shouted in that first round of the playoffs as well. And that's not something you want from your, your, no, your top you know, player. And, and we're not going to base this just off of goals. And that's my whole no. point, you know, but, but you do look at, they both scored 22 goals and we've made this argument before is mm-hmm. that Giovinco's goals tend to come in spurts where Kamara's were consistent, consistent throughout the season. And I always judge it based off of this, too, when I hear MVP awards in other sports as well, too. If you take away that one player, say he never exists on the team that year, do they? does that team still... Are they still where they are at that point? If Kai Kamara is not on Columbus this year, or if he gets hurt week well, one... Well, I'll tell you what, Baxter. That's the one argument where I would have to say Toronto FC is much worse off mm-hmm. without Giovinco than Columbus oh, is 100%. without Kamara. I will take a Kamara-less Columbus crew over a, a Giovinco-less TFC any day of the year. Any day. But then again, you look at, for the money they splashed at Giovinco, deservedly so, of course. by the way. He made them, uh, He actually made them say, hey, we made a smart purchase. Right, not like right. what Michael Bradley's done, not like what Josie Altidore's right. done. You know? It's just one of those things where two out of the three people they threw a ton of money at never panned out. No offense to Bradley. I know he's been going through stuff, but Josie Altidore... I don't want to even get into it right now. No, right, right. So, so there, you know, there, there is that argument you can make for saying, look, Giovinco is more valuable to his club. Mm-hmm. But see, for me, that's when I say, okay, so he's MVP of his club. Yeah, he's the team MVP. That's great. They give that award out within each club, hands out their own right. team MVP. That's fantastic. But he's not the league MVP. He's not the most valuable player to the entire league. Kai Kamara does so much, not only for the Columbus crew on and off the field, but for the league as a whole as well. I mean, Kai Kamara was featured on CNN recently, or today, and he wasn't even the MVP award. He was still on yeah. CNN, though, like talking about MLS Cup. I didn't realize that. Promoting that. He was yeah. all over, you know, national media. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I think there would have been nothing wrong with doing what the NFL has done a few times and name them co-MVPs because, to me, they actually both deserve it. I agree. And there's different arguments for why they both do, but, but they, they both do. Do you think it's because he's the atomic ant because he's this big media craze in MLS? Kind of like if a Well, I think that plays into it. Yeah. I think that plays into it. But Um, why take away from Kai Kamara, though? He's the people's player. Everybody loves Kai Kamara. He's this little guy that came from Sierra Leone that has overcome numerous adversities and civil wars and now is exceeding at one of the highest levels you can in professional sports. Well, and maybe that's that's part of it, Mm because the league already knows that he's loved. That's true. I mean, Giovinco's loved for a different reason, but... uh, but yeah, I, th- I think I think the name power certainly plays a bit of a role. Agreed. I absolutely agree. All right, well, I want to take a look at the MLS Best 11. The 2015 MLS Best 11 has been announced, and uh, maybe some surprises depending on who you are. We'll start with the goalkeeper and work our way up the front of the formation. The goalkeeper, Luis Robles, no surprise in my No day. surprise. I'm, I'm, the only thing I'm surprised about is he still hasn't been given that Call up to the national team. Well, Jurgen Klinsmann doesn't like. Although, did Americans. he did he finally get called up and just uh, didn't make the final? I think he got called into a camp. I think he camp. did get called to camp at least. Yeah, uh, but you I mean you look at it though? Luis Robles played every single minute of every single game for the third consecutive season. He even set a career high with 18 wins this season as well. This is his. But the funny part about this, Simon, this is his first best eleven selection. 
Really? First one in his career. Well, I, I'm sure what Nick Romano's probably been chosen over Nick him. Romano's, I think Donovan Ricketts when yeah. he was when he was a hot I think, keeper. I think Bill Hamid's got one to his I think, name too. I think he may as well. I mean, Lurobles was always that one guy that was always just like, oh, this guy's really good. Oh, and Luis Robles is right there also, but you never got that Luis Robles in surge. So I'm really glad Robles finally got some um, accolades to his name. Now, does he get that call-up, though, to the U.S. Women's National Team sooner rather than later? Maybe, hopefully, possibly. Uh, he did get capped, by the way, in 2009 in a Gold Cup game against Haiti. Oh, that's probably why he got capped against Haiti. So but There you go. Yeah, all right, all right. That's good to know. Uh, the three defenders, um, all of them uh, were their first-ever best 11 selections. Uh, you have uh, Laurent Simon for the Montreal Impact, very deservingly well there. Matt Hedges from FC Dallas and Kendall Watson uh, so two out of the three players hailing from the great white north. Yeah, you know, Matt Hedges, he's he's powerful. I mean, he's he's, he's a, one of those yeah. backs that you need to have on your – anybody would love to have oh, him on a 100%. team. He's, he's, so, he's so strong with his uh, – you know, he sees the he, – he's got great vision is what I'm trying to say. Unlike my talking, he can actually <laughs> do something really well. Um, I am a little surprised that Miazga's not on there, though. Mm-hmm. You had made mention of him um, a few weeks ago. I remember you talking about him as well, Matt Miazga, but – Kendall Watson did a great job of anchoring Vancouver, getting them into the playoffs and being a solid back for them. Um, he's a Costa Rican. He's played a ton of games for them. Uh, he scored two goals this year as well for Vancouver, proving his worth. Uh, he's also a finalist for Defender of the Year as well. Um, but, I mean, overall, though, Simon was a big impact as well for Montreal when they were making their big CONCACAF mm-hmm. run as well, and even just that surge towards the end of the year. So he's also a Belgian national team guy as well. I didn't realize that. Is he really? He is. Wow. Yes, he is uh, one of the regular starters for the Belgian national team. Wow. So the more you know. Uh, the midfielders. Now, I'm not – I don't know exactly how I feel like about the about one of the midfielders, and I, I could maybe make an argument against it or for it, but Ethan Finley, Dax McCarty, Benny Fellhaber, and Fabian Castillo are the four best 11. I, I respect Dax McCarty a lot. Mm-hmm. I really do. But not once in the recent history have I seen things where Dax McCarty has stuck out to me as being deserving of one of the best midfielders in Major League Soccer. I think he's a household name. I think he is a crucial part of what holds New York together. But I don't see him doing a lot on the field. Maybe I haven't watched enough Red Bull games. But I haven't seen him do enough things where I'm like, huh. Best one of the best top four midfielders yeah, in see, Major I gotta, League Soccer. I got to disagree with you, Baxter. I think he is one of the best midfielders in the league. Again, he's great organizational skills. Anytime I see him play, uh, he gets the ball. He knows where he's putting it. He's very successful with his passing. Reads the reads the uh, field well. Um, again, the only thing I'm surprised about is that Klinsman once again has not called this guy up. Klinsman's talking about wanting youth movement. And granted, McCarthy now is, uh, I believe, he's 28. He is. Um, that's still. I mean, that's prime. It is. Klinsman keeps calling Kyle Beckerman. You want a good replacement? Dex McCarty. Perfect. Perfect guy to come in and do it. Um, and like I said, I mean, maybe I just haven't watched enough Red Bull games to get an accurate judge about it, but the games I have watched, McCarty's nine times out of ten shut down, doesn't do a lot with his with the movement uh, with the ball. Off the ball, he's a very good runner, but it could have just been the, the sampling of games I've seen. Who would you put in place of him? See, that's the hard part about it is because last year it was Lee Wynn. It was a clear, a clear mm-hmm. selection mm-hmm. for Lee Wynn. Uh, aside from that, though, this year... Um, I almost would have maybe added a fourth defender in terms of ah, okay. instead of instead okay. of a, a third 
instead of a fourth midfielder because Ethan Finley, Fellhopper, and Castillo, 100%. All three of those guys played their hearts out this year. Not that Dax McCarty doesn't have heart, but maybe it's because I'm more of a stat-driven, more performance with goals and assists sure, type of sure. guy just because of how I, you know, how I am, where you see that with Finley and Fellhopper and Castillo and McCarty not, as, not so much. So maybe that might be my reasoning behind it more so sure. than anything. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm still... If I had to go with this group of four guys as my starting four midfielders, I'd be very content with that. Out of those four, who would who would be your midfielder MVP? My midfielder MVP? Oh, uh, boy. Um, I know I'd pick in a heartbeat. I'd probably have to go with Ethan Finley. Oh, okay. I was going Castillo. Castillo. Yeah. I'm, it's a tie for Finley and Castillo with me. Uh, I think Ethan Finley's ceiling is higher than Castillo. I think Finley adds a different dynamic. Castillo's got the speed where Finley has the... Um, technicality and the pinpoint accuracy. See, I think Castillo's just an exciting player to watch. He he's, is. He's, he's almost a uh, mini version of a Ronaldo, a Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's a reason the Colombian national team called him up. True. Um, and, and there are rumors that he won't be in the league next year because he'll be, he'll be getting sold. So we'll see. But, yeah, if, if I had to pick one player out of there on a fantasy team, I'm mm. taking Castillo. Fair enough. All right, then the three forwards, uh, the two MVP candidates, Sebastian Jovinko, Kai Kamara, and Robbie Keane as well, finding his fourth straight best 11 selection. So congratulations to Robbie on that Can't one. Can't argue with any of those picks there. No, I, I agree with you on that one. All three of those guys did uh, a lot of great things for their teams this year. And um, we already talked about Giovinco and Kamara in depth. And uh, Robbie Keane has just been a consistent and dominant uh, force in Major League Soccer. Sorry well. about that bump there. Wasn't uh, any commenting on your... It's like, <laughs> like, okay, I can just press the mute button if you want me to stop talking. Anyway, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to take a little bit of a review on what all took place in the MLS finals in terms of the conference side of things, and then we will preview the MLS Cup and then wrap things up with our I Believe segments. We'll be back with more on Two Up Front right after this.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. See, I kept it normal that time, you did. Simon. You did. Just wanted to... I was trying to think of something witty to say, and I thought, you know what? If people just tune in now, they'll have no idea what that was in relation to. So True. That was a smart move by you. Well done. Yeah. Way to step up and be a contributor there and make the show popular and do things and stuff. I don't know. I was running out of words and accolades and things. Anyway, uh, a lot of good things to get to here on the rest of the show. Um, One of the things we want to do, though, is by going back in time and reviewing the conference championships for both the Western and Eastern sides of it in Major League Soccer. Uh, Simon, what can you really say about these two series? They were hard fought. They were exciting. Uh, Maybe the Red Bulls, Columbus... wasn't as exciting. The second of, game wasn't as exciting. No, and I was the a little surprised leg. by that. I thought New York kind of looked kind of blasé about the game. They're like, meh, we're just going to come it, out and It was around. odd. They're at home. They're at Red Bull Arena. And, yeah, they were – I almost expected, looked like letting Columbus just – I expected better. I don't, know if they're, I don't know if they were doing the Rocky thing, you know, where uh, – Rocky Four, where he was boxing against the Russian and he let the Russian just beat him up and beat him up and beat him up and then finally at the end – he decided to go at him. No. I don't know if that's what, that was the Red Bulls' plan. Maybe that's what I they mean, watched. I mean, the 93rd minute's a little late. A little late. Goals. A little late, right. So, I mean, yes, technically the Red Bulls won so they can add to their wins in the playoffs. Right. But at the end of the day, they were down. They lose 2-1 to one on aggregate to the Columbus crew after Columbus had two goals in that opening game. Uh, good win overall by the Columbus crew, rightfully deserved. But a bit of an upset, is it technically? I would, I would well, I mean, you get the Supporter Shield winner. True. Goes down, so you'd always have to consider From that an upset. From a seeding perspective also. Right, right. Um, but no, Columbus, I mean, come on, the first game, the first leg, they score within the first nine seconds. A new MLS playoff record. Right. That, that kind of set the tone for the rest of the, uh, rest of the series. I agree. No, I think that the fact that they were to jump out that fast and score, I got the notification on my phone. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, this is the playoffs. And I guess... Right. Lewis Robles. I'm like, they scored after nine seconds. You know, it's funny. I was watching the game. I tuned in, and then I went to click on my, my Twitter app on my phone, mm-hmm. and I looked up <laughs> just at the last second like, to see what? the goals. Go. I actually had to, I had to, you know, go back a little bit to see if I had missed the call being, or yeah. the goal being called off. Yeah. But no, it was. It was a very well-designed play, and it, it worked out perfectly for him. So, I mean... Great job by Columbus being able to execute that. But ultimately, Columbus advancing to uh, MLS Cup 2015 after a 2-1 aggregate win. Uh, You did mention it, though, um, in terms of what New York was doing. They outshot Columbus in this second leg game 17-9. Six of their 17 shots were on target, where five of Columbus's were on target. Honestly, I'm not joking. I I would have to guess about five to six to maybe seven of those shots on goal or uh, shots came in the last three or four minutes. I would agree with you. Yeah, I was watching a little bit of the last part of that game, and I'm like, good Lord, they were just... I mean, I think New York finally realized that, like, if we don't score, we're going to lose. Well, maybe we should start trying. And then they did, and yeah, they got that late goal, which is great, but it was too little too late. And, you know, it's so easy for us to sit here and say, well, you know, New York was playing really boring soccer. They weren't attacking. we got to give some credit to the crew for having a game plan for both games. Uh for Burhalter having a great game plan and for his players executing it, that they didn't allow New York until those final few minutes to actually get a sniff at goal. True. I mean, that was a fantastic play. That I mean, if you can go 93 minutes without conceding a goal and still win the game and by, after you concede that goal, I mean, that's still a victory for Columbus. Sure, yes, they, I mean, they scored a late goal. But uh, as you mentioned to me off the air, as we were talking earlier today, you saw some weaknesses in the Columbus defense by that late goal. I did. Uh 
Columbus, their defense, so I'm going to jump a little bit ahead of, of what we're planning on here, going off script now. Columbus defense plays really compact and organized mm-hmm. soccer. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I, we see when those crosses come in, and if that box is packed with the opposing team, we see their defense come a bit undone. Mm. And that's how New York was able to score their first goal. And it's also how they were almost able to score that second goal. It's true. Yeah, I mean, you look at it. I mean, this is a team that had Michael Parkhurst and Waylon Francis on the field. Um, they even brought in two defenders towards the end of the, day, the end of the game. They brought in Tyson Wall and Chris Clute. So they brought in. They had five defenders on the field for the latter half of the ball game, and they still conceded that late goal. Well, and you almost wonder if you know sometimes. It's it's like when you put too much garlic in a dish and you ruin it. Mm, there's never too much garlic. All right, well, too much uh, garlic salt. How there about that? That's better. <laughs> I was like, I'm Italian. There's no, there's no such thing as too much garlic. So so that, that also could have been the case there where it, it actually was a poor sub and having too many players back there. You know, you have to think about, hey, these four that are playing in the back have been doing a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. Not freaking out at all. Staying organized, as I said, staying compact. Winning those balls. Every single ball that was coming in the box, Columbus was winning. They were denying New York everything. Yeah. Then you throw that fifth guy in there. Uh, it can mess things up where now you're trying to figure out, wait, we, you know, doing a bit man-to-man, doing a bit zone, not to sound too NFL-ish here. <laughs> uh, but, but that does affect that. It, it does. It honestly does. I mean, I thought that uh, Columbus controlled pace for almost the entire game. I mean, they had a pretty good game overall, although they did trail in uh, possession of the ball, rightfully so, because New York was trying to bombard that goal uh, for Columbus towards the end of the game. Uh, Steve Clark had to make six saves, so he had to come up a few different times. He sure did. Big plays. Luis Robles had five saves, so both goalkeepers called into action. The Robles had a, had a couple of amazing saves in that game. He's, he's kind of known for that, I feel like. Oh, it yeah. Was, it was good yeah. for him to be able to step up, proving why he was an MLS best 11. So uh, Columbus will represent the Eastern Conference in Major League Soccer's uh, championship game this coming Sunday. Uh, on the other side of that, they take on a team that wears not rave green, but more of a forest green, and that is the Portland Timbers. So I'm sure you are just thrilled and tickled pink, Simon, uh, for many reasons because of your Portland Timbers getting to the final. But talk about the progression through the two legs against FC Dallas. At home against Dallas. Uh I'm sorry. They, first, they were <laughs> they were at home. Mm-hmm. Portland was at home. Um, talk about again a perfectly, almost perfectly executed game. Mm. Uh, you know, they end up they end up winning two to one. So they did allow allow that away goal. But I'll tell you what, uh, Caleb Porter, for as much <laughs> crap as I have given him, you through, give him a lot of through, crap. Let's be uh, honest. He he finally figured out that if you move. Uh, I'm, my Darlington Nagby. Darlington Nagby, thank you. Darlington Nagby into the middle of the midfield, still a little bit on the right. Uh, that opens things up. He likes to play in the middle. He doesn't mm-hmm. like to play on the outside. He feels a lot more confident in the middle. And that allows Adi then to play a true number, number nine, getting released, balls into space. He finds them, he takes shots, and he scores. He looked fantastic in this entire... He's looked great in this entire playoff series. And I think the best thing that Portland has done... The best thing that they've done mm. is kept wearing that third kit. <laughs> Keep wearing it. It's working. Although I think they're, they are wearing their official home jersey, though, for MLS Cup. Are they? They are. Both teams are wearing their official home jerseys. Oh, see, that, that, that's disappointing for lose. me because they, uh, they've been doing well wearing those third kits. They've, it's over. they've been on a run, a scorching run. You're not superstitious, Simon, are you? 
when it comes to sports and soccer and your beloved Timbers? I think timbers? it affects the way you play. That's all I'm saying. It affects the way you play. You feel good. I had a coach when I was younger that always said, yeah. you feel good, you play good. Of course. You feel good, you play good. They feel good in these jerseys. <laughs> They've been playing good. I, feel, I mean, it's a nice Adidas jersey. I mean, they all feel nice. Well, here, let's, let's get back to the actual games here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then they go, into, they go into Dallas. Portland goes into Dallas. Yep. They made it an exciting game. They I'll tell did. you that. Oh, uh, my goodness. Agri got to be. So they won at home. Sorry, I said 2-1. 3-1. to one, three to one. Yep. Then they go into Dallas, they score again, and you're thinking, all right, they've got this. Yeah, it's it's 4-1. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, Dallas decides to turn on the heat. I mean, Portland was playing a great game. They're, they were. They're, they're keeping Castile contained. Uh, they're keeping their other Dallas's other forwards contained. But then Blas Perez comes in, and he does what he does best, starts scoring goals. He does. Uh, Blas Perez with a goal. Mario Diaz with assists on both of the goals to Hollingshead and Perez as well. Mario Diaz, one of those dominant young midfielders that does right. not get a lot of publicity, but those passes for both of those goals were fantastic. And it's funny because the Dallas fans actually seemed a little bit upset when uh, Hollingshead was taken off since he was the goal scorer. But Blas Perez came in, and uh, he really had – had a dominant statement goal to bring the aggregate now four to three, but then Milano. I mean, I would say goal to the playoffs, not because he he struck it in a beautiful way that was upper ninety. He he goes all the way down, basically down to the keeper. He's on the right side of the goal, decides to do a little a little uh, Jedi mind trick on Gonzalez, <laughs> who's been playing wonderfully since he's been in the Dallas goal. Yep. Hits it with the outside of his foot and it just trinkles into goal and finishes off the aggregate to be five to three. It was a fantastic. So two 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 draw in Dallas, but Portland five three going through on aggregate. So here's the great thing, Baxter, is you have two teams that have gelled at the right time. They've peaked at the right time. Exactly. Here's the deal. I think that Portland and Columbus actually play very similar games. That is, I would agree with you on that. You hear so many time pundits talk about that. So can I move into uh, a little preview here? So you, you hear pundits a lot of times say, you know, this game's going to be won in midfield. I think for this game, it's not about the midfield. Hmm. It's about the defense, and it's about the wing play. Okay. So I, I really feel that this game is going to go one of two ways, and there's, there's no middle with this statement either. Sure. It's going to be either a barnstorming, goal-scoring game, hmm. or it's going to be almost no goals. Hmm. In the same way, it's going to be an extremely exciting game, or it's going to be an extremely boring game. And There's I ha- no in between. I have this irking feeling that I, I, I love high action finals. I just I love it. Whether it's soccer, football, basketball, anything, I love a final that gives people what they want. I hate one zero finals. I hate a you know fourteen. I'm okay 10. with one zero as long as it's as it's, long as it's you, a hard if you fought. Win, you right. win. But if I'm an unbiased, just media head watching this game, and I have no ties to either team, I want a good game. I want a good game that I can talk about, you know, on a show, write sure. about as a journalist, etc. And if it's a 1-0 game or if it's a 0-0 game that we've seen before that goes to overtime and penalty kicks, it's like, oh my gosh, come on. Like I for me at least, I would love a 3-2 game, a 4-3 game. I would love it that barn burner style of game where Kai Kamara and Adi just go back and forth, you know, exchanging right. goals right. and then somebody snatches that late, you know, 90 whatever second or third winning game winning goal and then it's over. Well, and that's that goes back to my point here. So what I'm saying is I actually I think this game is stupid as this may sound. This game is going to be won in the final thirds. And yes. I'm not just talking offensively. I'm talking about both these teams have been playing well defensively. Both yep. of them play compact, organized in the back. I think Portland takes a few more chances in the back. They send their guys forward a little yes. bit more. Um, 
it's going to be one. So in the final third, but also on the wing play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about Nagby loves being in the middle, but he loves to dish that ball out to the he sides. He got sent out wide in this last game. I saw he was his starting a lineup against FC Dallas in the second leg was He's, out wide. He was starting wide, but if if you watch that whole yeah. game, he kept drifting in the middle, and that's where he would play balls through. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, th- I obviously both these teams have strong midfields. Yep. Um, I think they're pretty even there. Actually, I think they're pretty even all around. I agree. Uh, which is why I think. The keys to this game is who's going to own the wings and who's going to own the uh, who's going to stay most organized in the back. How big of a game does uh, the goalkeeper uh, does Steve Clark need to have for Columbus? Huge with the way Adi's on fire right now. Huge, but Kawarse also has to be huge. That's true. Who uh, would you? Who do you trust more as a goalkeeper? I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually trust Kawarse more, and I'm not just saying that huh. because I'm a Portland fan. Sure, the way, no, I understand that. The though. way he's been playing, it eyes on the ball. Uh, those goals against Dallas were not his fault mm-hmm. at all. I agree. Now, the big concern Portland has, and uh, Ashford had brought this up, was Liam Ridgewell. Yeah, that was my next question. Does he play? I don't know. Um, I How think can he maybe not? he gets the start. Well, and that's the thing, too. I mean, Ridgewell and Borchers, the way they've played in the back together, they rough start of the season, but, yep. man, they have, they have got it figured out back there. I agree. Um, I agree. At the same time, Paparato came in. For Ridgewell in that last game against Dallas. True. If there's one game to really test that guy, it's against an FC Dallas. And Paparato did fantastic. That is true. Now, I'll ask you this, and I hope it doesn't come down to this, but if it comes down to penalty kicks, who's your guy for Portland that you want to kick that game winning? Who do you Ooh. trust the most to seal the game away? It's so easy to say Valeri, but he missed his last one in that uh, Sporting Kansas yeah. City crazy shootout. Um I almost wonder if you want a defender to take it because the defenders have just a just burn it as hard as they can, and it's not as much of a Jedi mind trick game like the midfielders and forwards try to play. I mean, Adi's right. obviously got a pure shot. If Will Johnson's on the field, which I, he didn't play at all in the second leg, maybe they're holding him out trying to... Well, that's another question I'll get to in a moment is Will Johnson, but mm. what do you... I don't know who I would trust the most. If I'm if I'm Columbus, it's Kai Kamar, Ethan Finley, right after right, each other. Sure, Those two guys sure. are as sure as it comes when it comes to penalty kicks. But for Portland, if you are down to your last penalty kick and you're saying, hey, XYZ, it's your turn. You make All right, it, we so, win. So you're saying I have to make a decision. You I, have have to, no, yes. I have no I, choice I would here. like you to make a decision. That would make me happy. All right, let me... Uh See now, this is this is out of the blue here. So I'm actually going to look at the players just to remind myself of course, who, who I want to see there. You know what? This I don't mean this to come out of left field, but it is a defender. Okay, uh, Villafania is who I'd love to see in there. Oh, okay. Why is that? Uh, I got to base it all off of that shootout with Sporting Kansas City. He, okay. He, when he came up to take that kick, it was like he he was breathing air. That was it. Mm. There, there was there, there was there was there was no nerves whatsoever with him, and that's the guy you. And want. he was solid. Yeah, that's the yeah. guy you want. Okay, I just was curious because so many times we've seen so many MLS Cup finals end in penalty kicks, and it comes down to that key miss. I mean, I don't want to rub salt in the wound for Lavelle Palmer there for RSL when he missed his his penalty sure. kick off the crossbar, but uh, you know, so many different times we've seen finals come down to to that aspect of it. So, um, how about? Uh, can you give me a player for Columbus? Do you know Columbus well enough that I trust for the penalty kick? Yeah, Kai Kamara. Oh yeah, Kai I'm Kamara. sorry, you already said that. I'm sorry, yes. Kai Kamara, yeah. and then Ethan, Ethan Finley, Finley is the right. second second guy right after that. Um, Higuain would be my third. Okay, okay. So those three guys. Uh, Will Trapp would be another one guy that I would want to take a free k- or a penalty kick. 
Uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I still want Valeri in there. Of course. You know, he missed yeah. that one, but Justin Marinum usually well he's on the money. Be, so that would be who my five would be. So, um, All right, so I've, I've mentioned two so far, right? Villafania, Valeri. Yes. Yep. Uh, obviously, ID would be in there, so that's three. Jack I'd want Chara. Chara would mm-hmm. be in there. That's four. Um, if Jewsberry starts and he's in there, yes. Uh, the other person is Nagby, for sure. What about Nat? What about who? Borchers? Nat Borchers. Oh, Nat Borchers. I'm not sure about a PK. I mean, he's been scoring goals, but they've been off his head. True. Uh, I don't think he can have a penalty kick. Yeah. Not legal. Right, right. Huh. Or they've been balls that have been just bouncing around the box and he gets a foot on it. Randomly swings at it. Yeah. Do you go, and this is just totally off off the cuff here, just as a a thought. Um, When you approach a penalty kick situation, do you want just forwards or just your, your top goal scorers? Or I understand that. Penalty kicks are a totally different ballgame than the run right. of play. No, I think I think it's something you have to work on in practice, mm-hmm. especially when you're approaching a final. You've got to work on it every day. And you base who's taking those kicks based on that week of practice. Yep, that's true. That's and you, have to, you have to run multiple scenarios because your starting 11 is not going to be your penalty kick takers. You're not going right. to be able to choose from those same 11 guys. Right, you know? right. You're going to make subs. Right? Yeah, you've got to right. work through those you know, 14, 15 guys. And that's where you take that risk as a manager is if it looks like it's going into extra time, you know, you keep your strong guys in there. But if it looks like for sure it's going to go into penalties, that's where you take a risk. And maybe you you make a sub for the upcoming shootout and not necessarily for the last three or four minutes of the game. Agreed. And that's why it's a risk because there's still three to four minutes to be played. Exactly. You never know what could happen. All right. Well, it's come to that point, Simon. I need a prediction from you. All right. Uh, by the way, yeah, fun little fact. Gonna, fun little fact. I will be there. You will on Sunday. You will. I've never been so jealous in my life. <laughs> I'll be on an airplane back from Jacksonville. So when I when when I looked at, uh, obviously Portland would be the only team that could not host. So that means they were traveling. Yes. So that means it would either be in New York. The final would be in New York, uh, Dallas, or Columbus. Yep. So when I saw that Columbus was already pre-selling MLS Cup tickets before the second legs yeah. were played, I thought. I'm going to get myself a seat. Why not? So I did. So I'll be traveling down to Columbus. Um, pictures? Lots of pictures on our Facebook I'll be, page? Yes, yes. I'll be taking pictures. I'm going to be paying attention to most of the game. I'm, I'm purposely uh, not sitting with the Timbers Army. Oh. Not because I don't love you guys, Woo! but simply because I just want to be there and just take it all in. I want to watch the Army do their thing. I want to watch the Columbus fans do their thing. Most See importantly, the are. Right. Most importantly, I just want to sit there and take in this game. Um, prediction. It's a unique experience. It really is. It is. I mean, the, you, know? you know, this may be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me. True. So I'm making that seven-hour drive on Saturday, staying overnight in a hotel, watching the game on Sunday, and driving seven hours back. And going to class and doing teaching. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Woo, baby. <laughs> well done. Um, so I'm, I'm honestly not trying to not give you a prediction because my heart says Portland. Of course. But i got to be honest with you. My heart said New England you. last year, and look yeah, what that got me. But my, my brain is saying Columbus is going to win this thing. Interesting. Okay. Um, I actually think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. Hmm. Um, I think it's going to go to extra time, though. Of course it will. I, I, I understand that. Extra time, and I'm going 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one Columbus. Colum- no. In- no. Oh. I'm, I'm going to go 3-2 Columbus. 3-2 Columbus. I want to see more goals. So. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but uh, like Ashman, <laughs> cheering for Portland. Of course. And um, <laughs> my heart is set with Portland as well. As much as I respect Columbus and as a Eastern Conference supporter of the Revolution, I would love you know Columbus to win. But 
my heart is also telling me that Portland is going to win this game. Ah. And I feel like Portland, as I mentioned to you off air, is going to win this game by a score of 3-1. to one. If, if all the big players show up, and I understand that's such a cliche statement, well, if all the right guys show up, they'll win the game. Well, yes, but we've seen all the right guys show up before, and it's still not work out for them. But I honestly feel that if Valeri, Chara, Nagby, and Addy, and even the defense starts to play you know, solidly well, this is going to be a Portland team that Columbus isn't going to know what to do with. I, I love that point, and I will say I think Portland is playing the best soccer right now. I agree. And, and they're the hottest team right now. I agree. Um, and yeah, part of this is I feel like when these big games come up and I make a pick, I'm mm-hmm. always wrong. So you got to go reverse Jedi mind trick psychology. That's right. But I'm not just, superstitious. Uh, just call a draw. <laughs> just take a draw, Simon. It always works out for you. <laughs> Just that's it's the easy I get out can't. of this. You can't in this game, unfortunately. The ref will be like, "Sorry, Simon, I can't help you on that one." I don't even know what they would do. It'd be like, "We're done. It's a draw." Be like, what? It's not how it works. But is this a baseball all star game? What's yeah, going right. on? We're done. We're done. We're calling it. So you, no more no more goalkeepers. No to more use. goalkeepers. Yeah, pull the goalies. We're going hockey style. No goalies. Only midfield shots. Indoor soccer, sixth attacker style. Perfect. I love it. So you heard it here first. Simon has the Columbus Crew. Yes, winning three to two in extra time. I have the Portland Timbers winning three to one in, in regulation. Regulation. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Straight I regulation. I hope you're right, Baxter. Let us know your predictions. Find us on Twitter at Two Upfront Soccer at Baxter Colburn at Simon Provan. Let us know your thoughts and your predictions by letting us know on Twitter uh, as well. We're gonna go to a break, wrap things up, and do I believe when we come back to close out another edition of Two Upfront. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I am Baxter. And I'm a Portland Timbers fan. Hey, welcome. Welcome to the show. What's your real name, though? This is Simon oh, Provan. Simon. Yes. Okay. I could have come in. I'm a Revolution fan, but, you know, that probably wouldn't get me very far nowadays. Oh, New England. One day. One day, Simon. I, we will win. They will win. I don't know. You know, five, five trips at least. You know, we're consistent, if nothing else. <laughs> you can't blame us for not being consistent when it comes to MLS Cup Finals. I do like the fact that the Buffalo Bills are red, white, and blue, and the Revolution are red, white, and blue, and they've got uh, offers on their championship yeah. games. There's a lot of, this is an awful joke, but there's a lot of New England Revolution fans in Africa because that's where they send the championship T-shirts to <laughs> refugees and you know third-world countries down there. So they love the Bills, and they love the Revolution down there in Africa. It's an awful joke. I'm sorry, but it's... Also true at the same time. But anyway, we've come to the latter half of the show, which uh, we've had a great show so far, uh, to our favorite segment of the show.
It's our, we like to think we believe what we know we're talking about segment. No, it's I believe. It's where we each make a comment about something in the soccer world. Um, hypothetically, I believe. I always love using Sepp Blatter. I believe Sepp Blatter will be uh, sent to jail and convicted of all his crimes. I don't know. I believe that too. I, I, I hope, <laughs> I pray that that's what happens. But um, realistically, Simon, you are the Portland Timbers fan. I don't know why that matters, but you get to go first. Okay, I'm, I'm going to make this two. Because because I got in the rules. I know, but where is that in the rules? Wait, you picked two teams for the ah, that's two irrelevant. Front Completely irrelevant. I don't know what you want. From me. All right, sorry. Go ahead. All right, no. First of all, because uh, you threw your pretzel. I did throw. No, I I just threw the pretzels down on you the table. You threw them angrily in my direction. Why are you throwing pretzels at me? Well, what have I ever done to you? I gave you those. You're pretzels. yelling at me right well, now. I'm not yelling. Are you yelling? Anyway. This isn't about me. This is about you. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> I just want to have two I believe today. Fine. Okay, fine. Fine. Because the first one I'm coming up with is, is not really like, ooh, awe-shattering. Anything. I, I think I believe. There you go. Use this the ML- words. <laughs> I believe the MLS Cup final we're about to see it will, will go down uh, as the most exciting final that we have seen. Interesting. Okay. And number two... Came out uh, just a couple days ago. Actually, it was yesterday. Football Association Chairman Greg Dyke. So mm-hmm. this is FA in in uh, in Britain here in of England. Course. And by the way, this was in the Scotland Herald. Oh. I just wanted to say that <laughs> the far in the Scotland Herald. <laughs> I love it. What did the so, Scottish? You get now. You got to do it in. I got to do the whole You've thing. Got to do it. All right. So Greg Dyke comes out and says that the worst day in FIFA's history was the moment that Russia and Qatar were awarded <laughs> their World Cups. Pardon me, Scots, if I'm oh, murdering this. Anyways, uh, the, Scottish in, uh, the Swiss investigation is looking at more than 120 suspicious activity reports. So what that says to me is that I believe the 2022 <laughs> World Cup from Qatar will be pulled from that country. And it shouldn't be just because of this investigation. I have to say, I, I keep saying this over and over. Mm. It's about the slave labor they're using. Over there. Amen it's disgusting. Of course. So, there you go. Two, I believe. Sorry, I had to do it. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, now you got me doing it. All right, well, that's. I understand. You got two, I believes. I got two, two NFL, NFL and MLS team for whatever the categories we were talking about earlier. That's, that's fine. I understand that. So, my I believe is a little bit more outlandish, a little bit more West Wing, East Wing, depending on how you describe it. And it's, even so, it's though, the White House? Yes, it's the White House of MLS, basically, is what it comes down to. Oh, okay. Um, although I did take Portland as my, my team to win uh, MLS Cup 2015, um, I'm going a little outlandish, as I mentioned, that I do believe, I, I believe not, I do believe, I believe that if Portland loses this game, that Caleb Porter will be fired, or not with the team next year. Really? Regardless, if he walks away or he's fired, I think that if they don't win it, Caleb Porter uses that as his launching pad to go elsewhere. Yeah, see, I, I don't I don't believe that because uh, I feel like if Portland hadn't made the playoffs, mm-hmm. then yes, Porter would have been gone and well-deserved. Of course. But he figured things out. He got his uh, players to start really believing in what he's trying to do. He figured out what to do with Darlington Nagby, mm-hmm. and that, that really was the key, that okay. Nagby being in the middle there now um, really launches off a D, and I, I've talked about this before, um, he really becomes the heart of the team, Agreed. and that's what Porter's always wanted. That's true. So I feel like since he got things figured out, now it looks like for the long haul he's got things figured out. This is this is assuming all these players come back next year. I was going to say that does assume a lot of things. Right. But who? Um, well, my point is I think no matter what happens on Sunday, Porter's got a job in Portland. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree to an extent, but like I said, I mean, it was more outlandish than it was anything just 
you know, if hypothetically, if Kel- if Columbus comes out and just boat races Portland, just destroys them by like three or four goals, Portland doesn't even show up to the game, they mm-hmm. get lost on the way to the stadium. I think Caleb Porter would take that as an out and say, and, you know what? Yeah, I think I'm done, yeah. guys. And I'd be going back to what I was saying before. You know, was that just a lucky eight nine weeks that Portland had? That is I, true. I don't think you ragged on, on Porter all season I did. long. I did, but I've also taken back some of that with what, what he's done recently. But it does make you question. Yeah, if Columbus comes out and wins five nothing, mm-hmm. all right. Well, maybe things aren't figured out in Portland. Exactly. Maybe a new coach might be uh, in the works. Maybe Jason Kreiss might be looking for maybe. a new job there up in the the great Cascadia region. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to another exciting edition of Two Up Front presented by Sports Radio America. Remember, you can find us right here on Fridays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sports Radio America, sportsradioamerica.com, live 365, and tune in. You can also get us on demand by downloading our podcast on iTunes on iHeartRadio and on Spreaker.com as well. And we're also on Facebook, 2UpFront. We're on Twitter, of course, at 2UpFrontSoccer. Same handle for Instagram. We also have our own Twitter feeds, at Baxter Colburn. I did it again. Colburn. At Baxter Colburn. I was going to say Colburn. At Simon Provan. Provan. And, uh, oh, one last thing to say. PTFC. RCTID. There you go. That's the, that's the man, Simon Provan. He will be posting pictures on our social media accounts as well. From the game live on Sunday, you don't miss it. Check out the unique view inside the stadium. Uh, say hi to Kai for me. Say hi to Will. Diego, I will. All those guys. You know, give him a high five if you can. Get a jersey. You know, just get a jersey exchange after the game. Bring you know, bring it down there. So, all right. Well, thanks again for tuning in, folks. Uh, remember, if you like what you hear, let us know. We always love hearing from you guys on social media and Periscope as well. Great interaction. Special thanks to Vavil USA's Afshin Zahir for joining us as well. And uh, we will see you all again next week, hopefully with a Portland victory in favor for Simon, so we can uh, have a happy segment and not a, a grumpy Simon segment. All I know is for the next uh, few days, I'll be drinking a lot of coffee. <laughs> ah, exactly. Prepping yourself for that drive. All right. right. Well, everyone, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the MLS Cup. Watch it. Don't forget about it. With our manager being the one above, we are two up front. Police officers know it only takes a few seconds of someone texting and driving for things to go terribly wrong. That's why officers are increasing enforcement of texting and driving laws. So put your phone down when driving, or be prepared for the consequences. You drive, you text, you pay. Paid for by NHTSA. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. ba ba ba